0: i Alice Dempster, and welcome to the second episode of How Far We've Come, our six-part podcast series in partnership with NGS Super. They're keen to help Aussies make the most of their financial independence, and that means helping you to learn about your finances so the decisions you make today mean you're investing in your future. Last week, I looked at the passing of the Married Women's Property Act in 1884 and what home ownership looks like for Aussie women now. This week, we're focusing on the gender pay gap, and to do that, we'll be jumping to the 1940s. That's a period of history that was defined by World War II. So why are we talking about war? Well, for many Aussie women, World War II was the first time they entered the paid workforce, so it's an important piece of the puzzle in understanding how far we've come. But first, let's dive into the context. When it comes to the gender pay gap, it's a big topic, an emotional one for many, and one that stretches across borders and professions. In late 2017, the news broke that I had been paid less than $1,000 compared to the $1.5 million that my male counterpart had received for the exact same amount of work. I've been a working actress since the age of 12 and I've been accredited within my industry at the highest levels and that still did not translate into equal and fair compensation. That's U.S. actress Michelle Williams in 2019. For those who like a bit of Hollywood, the co-star she's referencing is Mark Wahlberg and their film was All the Money in the World. A little closer to home, this is Jo Cribb. She headed up the Ministry of Women in New Zealand and talked about her experience on finding out she was paid less than her male co-workers. I'd been promoted internally and hadn't even thought I needed to negotiate my salary. I was just feeling a bit excited about getting a raise, and was grateful that I was the one who had been chosen. But ripped off was what I was. And when I look into the gender pay gap data, I find that I'm just a walking, talking statistic. That's a snippet from her TED talk, but what are the facts? Well, according to ABS data, the difference in the average earnings of full-time working Aussie women and men is 13.3%. Or to give it a dollar value, women are taking home around $254 less each week on average than men. In terms of narrowing that gap, it's slow progress. Here's Anna Cadwell. She's the deputy editor of The Daily Telegraph. The idea that we're 200 years off solving this problem is horrific, but really not that shocking. It feels like we just keep talking about it. And the thing is, it takes a lot more than talking about it. It's not a problem that's going to solve itself. That 200 years she mentioned is referencing that at the pace we're going, it'll be that long before the pay gap is closed. And if all this sounds a bit depressing, The truth is we've come a long way, and as it stands now, it's against the law to pay women less for the same work as men. That's a long way from World War II when women were paid 75% of the male wage, a feat that at the time was celebrated. Let's get into that now. (laughs) Rewinding back to 1939 in Australia, it was already a bleak year. The Black Friday fires had claimed 72 lives and we were still recovering from the Great Depression. And then on the 3rd of September, Aussie Prime Minister Robert Menzies declares that Australia is going to war. Fellow Australians, it is my melancholy duty to inform you officially that in consequence of a persistence by Germany in her invasion of Poland... Great Britain has declared war upon her, and that as a result, Australia is also at war. At the time, there were only around 3,500 soldiers in the Australian army, and there was a huge push to encourage men to enlist. There were a couple of reasons why they might have been rejected though. And if you listen to our last episode, you'll know I like an example, so let's do that. Meet Bob Martin. He was a regular Aussie from Brisbane who was turned away from the army because he delivered ice blocks to residential homes. Now, if you're wondering what any of this has to do with the pay gap, bear with me because everything shifted when Japan entered the war in 1941. For the nation itself is in peril. This is our darkest hour. Let that be fully realised. Our efforts in the past two years must be as nothing compared with the efforts we must now put forward. That's John Curtin speaking. He was our Prime Minister at the time. All of a sudden, the war was on Australia's doorstep and the government needed more men to enlist and head overseas. As a consequence, essential industries were struggling for male workers. To help solve that crisis, the government finally agreed to let women fill those vacancies. They called them victory jobs, but there was a catch. They had to vacate them once the war was over and the men returned. So Bob Martin, headed overseas, and his wife Emma, along with 50 other ice vendors' wives in Brisbane, were employed to take over their husbands' jobs. It was a story repeated countless times over. Women were working and keeping the country going. But they weren't paid the same as men for the same job. Here's Faith Bandler talking in the 1988 Aussie documentary, Thanks Girls and Goodbye. I mean, we didn't those days think about getting an equal wage, but at least we expected to get a better wage than what we got. And it seemed awfully unfair for me to drive the tractor to irrigate, doing it equally as good as a foreman, and yet to know that he would be getting so much more than I would. So pressure starts to mount, trade unions start to agitate, and the shortage of male workers continues. By 1943, the government's forced to look at women's wages as a way to encourage more women to join the workforce. And to do that, it establishes something called the Women's Employment Board that helps to secure women on average 75% of the male wage for the same job. By the end of the war, almost one-third of Aussie women had joined the paid workforce, but the war then ended and men returned to their old jobs. Most of those women that had taken up work left, and it would take another generation before the fight for equal pay ramped back up. A quick message before we get into where to next. You would have heard at the start of the episode that NGS Super helped to make this series possible and they've got a quick message around the gender pay gap and the huge impact it has on your retirement savings. Research shows a 23% gap between men's and women's retirement savings. When it comes to retiring comfortably, 80% of women have insufficient funds. There's a couple of small changes that you can make, though, so that you don't fall into that category. Things like government co-payments and salary sacrificing. If you want to learn more about this, NGS Super has a team of super specialists who can help you with any questions that you might have. So we've come a long way since World War Two, but the gender pay gap hasn't changed much over the last 20 years. Men are twice as likely to be in the top income bracket compared with women, and the experts say there's a couple of reasons for that. More than half of Aussies work in an industry dominated by one gender. Female dominated industries are those like health and teaching and they tend to have lower award rates and wages. Today I announce that Labor will make gender pay equity an objective of the Fair Work Act. We will set up expert panels on pay equity and the care and community sector to help improve paying conditions for women in those sectors. You probably recognise that voice. It's our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese. And when we look at what the highest paying jobs in Australia are, many of them involve STEM. That stands for Science, Technology, Engineering and Mathematics. And as it stands, women account for just 36% of enrolments in university STEM courses. When research looks at why that's the case, there's a lot of studies that suggest unconscious bias. That's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, but if you're not entirely sure what it means, here's Debbie Sterling, founder of a toy company called Goldie Blocks. She was named one of Business Insider's 30 Women Who Are Changing the World. In this clip, she plays a bit of a game with the audience, and it's probably worth playing along. So, close your eyes and picture an engineer. Everyone got a picture in their head? Nod. Raise your hand if you pictured a guy sitting alone at a computer. Okay. Maybe kind of nerdy pocket protector. Raise your hand if you pictured a train driver. (laughs) That's a lot of hands. Raise your hand if you pictured a young guy in a hoodie. Maybe he looks a little like Mark Zuckerberg, perhaps. Raise your hand if you pictured someone who looks like me. Okay, not a lot of hands. If you're guilty of unconscious bias, don't feel bad, but it really is a good reminder. If there's something positive to take from all of this, though, it's that it's way better today than it was. You might not realise, but it was less than 60 years ago when women were forced to leave their jobs in the public service once they got married. So, in our next episode, we'll look at the lifting of that ban, where women in the workforce sit today, and what it means for women's financial independence. As we said at the top, big thanks to NGS Super who made this series possible. For more about NGS Super, head to ngssuper.com.au and please consider the PDS and TMD on the website to see if the product is right for you.